0: back in on uh, Canuck Central it's Dan Richo and Randy Janda Satyar Shah needing uh, another day to recover from the Browns losing at Lumen Field yesterday
1: congrats to your Seahawks by the way division leaders
0: they're looking good
1: Guess you're not switching back to the Dolphins.
0: 5 and 2. Traded for Leonard Williams today. Yeah, maybe a little bit pricey. But you know what? it gets them a Super Bowl.
1: Relax. Relax. Could get them the division Super Bowl. Hey, Come on. Be- best quarterback. Day in the drinking division. is not something best you Best record be doing. in the
0: division. Anyways, maybe I'm getting a little too far ahead of myself. A little bit. Little bit. Uh, let's bring in our next guest Hall of Famer, Don Taylor, joining us uh, here on uh, Canuck Central. Did you get used to it yet?
2: Yeah, I, a lot of people call me that. My friends and family, a lot of them, like call it and, and call me that. And I think they're like being sarcastic. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's
0: the way it goes. Hey, it's <laughs> facts. Facts only, Donnie. Now into the, yeah. the BC Sports uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, we we didn't get to talk to you uh, after the announcement last week, but I'm sure. you may, are, are you tired of it yet? Being asked all these questions about uh, getting the induction.
2: No, are you kidding? The way our industry is, I've been laid off a million times. I've been through some <laughs> tough times, and I'm. So, I'll take the good here. Come on, I, I'm not getting tired of it at all.
1: Fire away. Oh, well, congratulations, Donny. I haven't had a chance to talk to you. Um, you for somebody that grew up in this city and grew up in the region, uh, you took sports and make it like fun to another level. I remember watching you on Sports Page and uh, Sportsnet to this day. When you started, like forming that identity, was that something that you want to do? Like, I want to do something so different that that, um, you know, nobody else is doing this?
2: You know, that's, that's a really good question, Randy. There, were, there was a time uh, in the 80s uh, when, you know, I always would say to myself, what makes this guy so good? What makes that guy so good? You know, Howard Cosell, Chris Berman, or anybody like that, or, you know, Danny Gallivan, Jim Robson, and, and the answer inevitably is they were unique and that they did something that, that separated themselves from other people. And so I just thought thought to myself, I'm going to try to be myself as much as possible and use some of the cornball phrases from my neighborhood and my family and try to have as much fun with sports as possible because in the end, guys, as much as we take it so seriously, and I do take sports seriously, but in the end, it's somebody trying to put a puck in a net and and it's somebody trying to um, grab a ball and put it over a line. And it, it should be looked upon, I think, first and foremost as 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 something we did as kids something we we do for fun and sometimes i think we forget that and i just wanted to make sure that whatever i did was as entertaining or you know an attempt to be made to make it as entertaining as possible so yeah it's just that you know I, I always ask that question what you know what is it that separates those people that are so good from everybody else and i think the answer is is that they're themselves and they're unique and uh, you know, if you if you're able to do that in front of a microphone or in front of a camera or both, I think you'll be better for it.
0: Uh, even a, even a Toronto guy like me appreciated you doing the late night highlights on uh, on Sportsnet for a lot of years. I, I figured out what Cyclone Taylor was because of you.
2: Like, well, there you go, <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for the mention. By the way, I was just there the other day, and I I, I appreciate it. And yeah, it was fun. You know, like uh, you know, doing broadcasts that were that that made their way into Ontario, even if it was late at night, not so much here, but that was, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that you uh, you checked it out way back then. Uh,
0: it's uh, Don Taylor joining us uh, here on Canuck Central. Donnie and Dolly, ten to noon on Check TV Monday through Friday. And Donnie joins us every Monday here on uh, on Canucks Central. So, uh, uh, you know what? One one thing coming out of Saturday's game, Donnie, is uh, everybody's complaining about the referees. And Randeep and I touched on this uh, earlier in the show, but it's like. Hey, I, I guess better to be complaining about the referees uh, missing a call rather than complaining about how bad the Canucks are right now.
2: And, and that's a good point because that was the number one takeaway. And, you know, if you, you don't think the Canucks were complaining, all you had to do was look at Talkett with the stare down at the end of the game and what he mouthed to, whichever official it was after the too many men penalty. But yeah, complaining about the refs versus complaining about the Canucks because everybody seems to be very much on side with this organization, that's something different. That, 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 that's something we haven't seen in a long, long time. Guys, I honestly, you know, referees are not. And you know what? Sometimes controversy can be, can be entertaining. I can't remember a regular season game that good, that competitive, and that entertaining in a long, long time. Maybe when Boudreaux first joined, and they, you know, they beat LA four nothing his first game and the chance of Bruce there it is, and it looked like things might might be turning around. But this just seemed more real. It just seemed like almost like a turning point. I know they beat St. Louis five nothing the night before that. But you know, the Rangers were rested. The Rangers are really good and the and the Canucks could have been down and out in that game so many times, especially when it comes to some, a couple of iffy calls or non calls. It was really good. It was really, really entertaining. It just seemed like, it, at the very least, it might be a turning point.
1: It's a small sample size, but one of the key words that Rick Tockett's mentioned over the last, uh, I want to say, two weeks for sure is professional. Professional effort, you know, having that uh, professional nature to his team. That performance against the Rangers, the second on a back-to-back, is this team showing us that they do have that maturity or professionalism or, or whatever you want
2: to call it um, early on this season? It seems like it, Um, Randy, when you think about them coming back uh, from a road trip, from a lengthy road trip, and you have a tough practice, then a day off, and come out with a really sharp effort against St. Louis. That didn't happen. That doesn't doesn't happen a whole lot with Canuck teams. And to do it on back-to-back nights, I know they lost on Saturday, but they got a point, and they were very close to winning that hockey game against somebody really good. Uh, the other point is that the first time I heard him say that word professional, I'm sure it's not the first time he said it, but the first time I heard him say it in relations with the Canucks was that day off they had in Nashville. And you know, he, he, he spoke to their professionalism, challenged them, because they had a day off in Nashville. Now, I haven't been in Nashville. I don't know if you guys have or not, but I know it's a darn fun town. And he challenged them to be professional and come to work with the work boots on, on the ice against the Predators, and they really played well that game. So yeah, there, there, there's something there. I also wonder, guys. I think the respect level for these players, maybe even fear, is through the roof when it comes to Rick Tockett and even his coaching staff. There's a lot of there was a lot of professionalism and really large, impressive resumes there, and I think that's that's really coming to the forefront here is that I think there's a lot of respect amongst the players for the coaching staff. Coaching staff has proven it has been professional as coaches and players. And I think these players, the current kind of players are following suit.
1: I'm you know glad you brought that up though. Cause I think that's a great point, especially when it comes to talk it, you know, he's a guy that extremely skilled, put up a hundred points playing with Mario, but at the same time uh, you look at his penalty minutes and he's one of the toughest guys to ever play the game. Like how much respect do you think that garners in the room to say, I understand, I'm going to listen to this guy because he played the game a certain way?
2: I mean, uh, you know, it's very old school, and, and I get that, and maybe um, I'm out of line talking about it, but, you know, there, there's that respect, and I'll say it again, maybe even a little fear with it. And, and, you know, there, there's toughness there, and he's been through the wars, you know, cups, uh, you know, and leads the NHL all-time in Gordie Howe hat-tricks, players are you know they're big kids they look at stuff like that they go man this guy's for real and this is nothing against boudreaux or anybody else or or willie d or anybody but that's pretty impressive and if he can coach too i just think that that's sort of those accomplishments on the ice and just his reputation And i know it hasn't been perfect for rick cockett but i think all of that really helps
0: you know uh I think we've been conditioned the last few years to think that this team can't defend well, considering what we've seen from this team and the results we've seen from this team. They've needed their goalie to bail them out countless occasions, but it feels really different, especially these last few games, Donnie, where you know there's always puck support. They're defending as a five-man unit. They don't get caught too much in transition giving up odd man rush after odd man rush it really is refreshing to see how much you know as a team they've been able to defend better even if you know they don't have a ton of uh, well they've they've got Hughes and Heronic and then beyond that I don't think anybody would say they've got uh, you know all-star defensemen back there
2: no although although I will say and you can laugh at me if you want I thought Myers played well Saturday night. He you did. Know, not, I, you know what?
0: I, I thought we were going to get a Myers chant in the building after he <laughs> scored that goal. I'm not even kidding, yeah. Donnie.
2: Yeah, it, it, what, 18, 19 minutes? Uh, there was a lot. To, hey, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know so much about defensive systems and hockey short of a box plus one, but I do know that their numbers are better, and they seem to be a tighter unit, and it's not boring. That's the other thing. Like, like, so far, it's not boring. It's, it's really entertaining hockey. And they're scoring as well. It's a really good combination right now. Can it last? It is the Canucks. And we all, as people who have suffered with this team for a long, long time, we don't expect it to last. last but, I don't know, there, there, there just seems to be. And, look, I'm the first one to criticize them. But uh, there just seems to be something special, special happen, happening. And I think I said this last week, too. One of the keys, getting off to a good start. Check that. They've done that. That's not bad.
1: Well, You mentioned Tyler Myers. He did a great job at the blue line, suppressing, you know, just pushing the Rangers back you know, on that penalty kill, especially even before that goal that he scored. But we were talking about the pairing of Mark Friedman and Ian Cole. And outside of Philip Roenick and Quinn Hughes, these guys are, are not allowing anything five-on-five when it comes to goals, chances, the whole thing. Mark Friedman, Ian Cole, do you ever think that they could be the answer for the second pair, at least in the short term, for the Vancouver Canucks?
2: Well, the fact that they both have Pittsburgh connections makes me say yes, just because it was bound to happen. Just because that you know they have that uh, Pittsburgh connection. But yeah, Friedman. I know he played only eight or nine minutes, but I was like, I, I, there was a couple times when I saw him on the ice. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm like, who's that? He's a nice skater. And then I realized it was him. And, you know, um, as my vision fails me as I get older. But it, I it just I realized that he was. He seemed pretty good, and then Cole blocked some shots and. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, I yeah. Again, there was not a lot bad to say about what the Canucks did the other night, and part of it was was believe it or not. I agree, Cole, Cole and Freeman they seemed fine.
0: It's just the referees. We just get to blame the refs again. That's uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, the high stick on DiGiuseppe, you have to call. I I actually had as much problem, and I think Dockett felt the same way with the too many men. Yeah, was it too many men? It was. But they're, they're killing a four-minute penalty. It's a third period. It's a great game, or a double minor. It's a great game. And how much did that have to do with the play, that, that infraction? Just, I don't know. I, I know it's old school to say this, and it's not by the book, but I, I think I let that go. And I think we all saw what talk at mouth to whichever official it was. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't a compliment. And I think that's where he was coming from. It was just not. I just don't think it was the right call they go on the 5 on 3 they they score i i, I didn't love that and then and then Kreider extending the leg on on petterson was yeah. was not great either
0: you know, I know, I know. Uh, Ron McLean was was taking some flack on on Canucks Twitter because uh, yeah. I mean that always happens right. to Ron McLean. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sky ha- <laughs> is blue and grass is green, right? <laughs> it's happened for a while now, but you know his thing uh, about the the missed call in overtime was well, refs don't want to be in a position to decide the game at that y- point. Well, y- yeah, when they when they called the the too many men, aren't they kind of deciding the game there or being a big part of the decision in the yeah, game by well, calling well, a bit of a ticky tack too many men? Well,
2: or go, go up maybe a step further. Uh, it, they are deciding the game when they don't make a call. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: When they don't make that Pedersen call, you you've helped th- decide the game. So I I I, I never bu- I've never bought that that you know. Well, I don't want to decide the game by making the call. Well, you're helping decide the game by not making that call. And that's where that was on Saturday night. And and look, you're, you may get a text or an email or two talking about me and Ron McLean. He's my buddy, okay? Him and I, we know each other from Red Deer. I'm from Burnaby, but I worked in Red Deer uh, for three years. And <laughs> Ron, we called him Rocket Ron. I used to play senior man's hockey up there, and he used to ref our games. And you know what? He was really good. He was a really good referee. We're talking, like, you know, beer league, decent hockey, but, just, you know, beer league, you know, late Friday night type hockey, and he was he was right there. He was into it. He was good. He he defends his brothers like, and that's where it comes from. I don't know if people realize it, but Ron is an old referee. Maybe he still does referee. I'm not really sure. But that's where that comes from. Uh, he he's just he'll defend his brotherhood to the bitter end. Uh,
0: so. Uh, uh... It feels like there's there's way too much positivity around this team right now <laughs> given yeah. the way the last couple of years have have gone and it's warranted. The way they've played it is definitely warranted, but uh, there's still uh people wondering when the bottom's going to fall out and and I would say my my only um caution flag here is you know they're, they're still struggling to sort of generate much offense at all outside of the star players, outside of the top six like Saturday night, you know, JT Miller's line, they, they work against Zibanejad and those two lines essentially nullify each other. Right. Yeah. JT Miller doesn't get a ton offensively at five on five. And in return, Mika Zibanejad was pretty quiet at five on five for for the Rangers. You'll take that. But then that's when you need your bottom six to sort of step up and provide a little offense. And that's where the Canucks haven't haven't gotten much yet this year.
2: Yeah, although they did get the goal from Myers and Heronik has been good, better than I thought offensively and and Hughes as well. But you're right, bottom six. And you'll notice today at practice, guys, that they did make a they did make a change at practice. I think Dakota Joshua was uh, was out of the bottom six skating as the extra forward. So look for a change there. And, and the guys, they they've worked hard, but you're right, offensively they could use a little. Like in terms of pure goal scoring, they certainly could use some sort of change and. We'll see if that happens in the national game with uh, Dakota Joshua uh, be, being out. And uh, obviously, talk it feels the same way you do.
0: Uh, Donnie, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. Anytime, guys. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, always. There is uh, Don Taylor, Hall of Famer.
1: Okay. He's been a Hall of Famer in North Burnaby for a very, very long <laughs> time. All right. We've been calling him a Hall of Famer in these parts yeah. for a long time. Uh, no, awesome to chat with him. He. A little behind the uh, the scenes, when I started working at Omni, behind this, you know, even before I got on television, I was a producer, I was assignment director, and one of my career highlights was walking through the hallways of our studio in West Second, and just randomly running into him. Yeah, I forgot that he worked there. I didn't realize Sportsnet also shot there, and it was one of the highlights of my career. So, shouts to the Hall of Famer, a guy that really makes sports fun, man.
0: Uh, a hundred percent, and. You know, one of the first guys I remember really making highlights fun, uh, even yep. though, you know, I wasn't born and raised here, as you all know, and you never let me forget it. Uh, but, I've relaxed on that. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, we used to get Donnie uh, for for the late night on uh, on Sportsnet and do some of those highlights. And, you know, what, was always having a great time, was always making fun references and silly jokes and those types of things. And absolutely love that about Donnie. And you know what? deserved hall of famer going into the BC sports hall of fame. So there's a lot there on, uh, on the Vancouver Canucks and a lot of the same things that we've been talking about, but we didn't touch on um, Joshua as much as we would have liked to there in, in the first segment. Um, Looks like he could be going to the press box tomorrow. Coach has sort of been on Joshua really since the start of training camp in, in Victoria and they just need more. you know. And I think Tauket in general is looking for the right mix in that bottom six, and it's going to get changed once Teddy Bluger comes back from injury anyhow, but you still need to find more out of that bottom six. And the bottom line is, you're getting more out of Hoaglander, you're getting more out of Lafferty, you're certainly getting more out of even Anthony Beauvillier, who hasn't had a ton of production but is still playing pretty well. Um, Joshua, for me, on merit, Should be the guy coming out if you want to get Stadnika back in.
1: Yeah, he hasn't looked, you know, consistent in... And I'm talking within a game. Forget game to game. But Dakota Joshua, to me, is a player that you've seen maybe flashes. But you want him to be an everyday NHLer. Remember that conversation we were having about Niels Hoaglander at the beginning of the year? You see flashes, but you don't see that consistency within a game. We're seeing a little bit more from Niels now, which is good. Which is a reason why he's simmering on the menu. But overall, with Dakota... I look at his game and he's just not getting to the spot as an F1. He's not getting there quick enough. I don't know if that's the conditioning factor. I don't know if there's anything else. But that speed has never necessarily been a huge part of his game. But last year, Reach, he was getting there. He was putting pressure on defensemen as an F1. He was being disruptive. We're not seeing that as much this year. And that's a worrying thing because that line needs that element. Anthony Bevilier can try to do that. I know he's played that role with Elias Pettersson going back to last year in Kuzmenko. But that's not his bread and butter game. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be really heavy to play against. With Joshua, the potential is there. There's a reason a decision like this is something, that's, <laughs> it's something that you don't want to take if you're a coach. Because physically, this guy can bring it. He's got the tools. But right now, he's just not hitting that spot as quickly as you need him to. And if that's not happening, you've got to send a message, right? You've already mentioned conditioning. You've already taken away ice time. The next step is... Park him in the press box for a game, and hopefully he can see maybe where his game is lacking right now, and they'll fire him up.
0: Uh, And that's the reason you have internal competition, right, to push some of these guys when they aren't going all that well. And right now that player is Dakota Joshua. So Canucks need to get more out of him. They expected more out of him coming into this season. And the biggest part about Joshua is that. It's the size factor. Because, yeah, does Rick Tockett, you think, want to have Bovillier, Suter, and Garland all on a line together. He wants there to be a little bit of heft somewhere when he's throwing that third line over the boards. And they brought in Lafferty because they felt they could use his speed, but also they could use his size. Joshua's got to be a part of that. Yeah, you like how Nils Hoglander is playing. Yeah, you like some of the elements Garland can bring. But this team clearly identified size in their forward group as something they were lacking. And they need more of that from Joshua.
1: They definitely do. And you can do that for one game. Maybe if you, you want to send that message. But overall, this team is going to need more than Phil DiGiuseppe and JT Miller to bring that. And they've done that really well. I've loved the physical presence in that top six, especially on that line. But you need that throughout. And Sam Lafferty, to his credit, has brought that on the fourth line. This is a guy that you don't want to maybe rely on too much because in the end, he is still a fourth liner. But you got to have one of those elements on every single line. If Lafferty's doing that on the fourth line, Mikheyev's doing that on uh, the Pedersen line. JT and Phil Giuseppe have done a good job on that line. Who's that third line right now? Because yeah. the way it sits right now, credit to those guys, Suter, Garland, Bavilli, they're getting an opportunity, but in certain games, you need that heft. You need that physical size to, to really kind of be aggressive. And I don't know if Bavillier can do that. Togit's mentioned himself that sometimes he plays a little fancy. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want an overly fancy third line. That's no. just not what you want.
0: A um, couple of texts coming in. Jeffro uh, is saying it feels like old times. Love it. Uh, it's good referencing to see. Reach Deep.
1: I haven't logged into the text inbox since like last year, so yeah. this is nice. Nice to see text again.
0: <laughs> uh, getting a lot of questions about uh, whether or not we'll be doing password today. Uh, pro- probably not.
1: Josh is uh, shaking his head. Now he's frantically putting his headphones on. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely. There we go.
2: <laughs> you said probably not. I am saying definitely. Not.
1: Ben, ben might pull a Hollywood Hogan type of a heel turn here and just fire it
0: up. Fire it up. Uh, I, I would love to see Ben just like go totally rogue and fire off the password music. I think the music has been lost. Can you imagine that? <laughs> they of deleted it, it. We've got a camera on lost. us, but can you imagine if
1: Ben actually put on the music and Josh just decked him?
0: <laughs> By God, he's did him with a steel chair. Get the security footage. The man is a family. Uh, This is from Rager. uh, Do you think the dud soda and espresso before or after uh, doing the one-chip challenge?
1: Oh, dud soda after. If you're doing a spro after that, you're you're setting up your stomach for an adventure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the espresso is going to really do much to uh, calm the pain of a one-chip challenge, which we'll be not doing again, for the record.
1: You know what? I thought I conquered it pretty well. I'm open to any <laughs> possibilities. Not during a Canucks game, but
0: yeah. I'm open. Uh, all right. Get to more of your texts. Coming up, Chris Mason covering the Nashville Predators will join us next on Sports at 650.
3: Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Back in on Canuck Central in the uh, Kintex studio. Apparently the uh, Canucks had their Halloween party last night.
1: Oh well, did they ever?
0: Yes. Uh, Brock Besser was Avatar. Really elaborate costume. You couldn't even tell it was Brock under the uh, face painting and all that. Uh, I believe Phil DiGiuseppe was uh, Mickey Mouse. All right. Very good. And JT Miller was a Playboy Bunny.
1: And he committed. He like, committed. Like, he was even wearing heels. Pink heels, yep. my Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Philip I wonder well, who if was he wore the heels the
0: whole time, though. That might be like a, a high ankle sprain waiting to happen.
1: Yeah, I'd love to know the details. Maybe yeah. next availability, Batch can ask.
0: <laughs> Uh All right, uh, bringing in our next guest. Uh, had uh, three big assists in the show. You know him as a goalie, though. Chris Mason covering the Nashville Predators joining us uh, here on, uh, on Canucks Central. Thanks for this, Chris. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. We just got into uh, Vancouver, so... Just walking around and just uh, just pulled over to uh, to talk to you guys.
0: Uh, isn't it not it better to visit Vancouver when it's not raining?
3: Oh my gosh, we landed. <laughs> usually we come in at night too, and uh, today we we pulled landed the plane and drove to the uh, hotel, and it was just just gorgeous. So absolutely,
0: uh, and it's uh, supposed to be nice again uh, again tomorrow. I, I got to ask because we were just commenting about the Canucks uh, Halloween costumes kind of coming out and seeing some of the pictures. Was was the Halloween party a staple through your day's uh, plan?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, it was,
0: um, it was
3: definitely one of the best, you know, it's, it's funny because especially the be, it always happens at the beginning of the year and there's usually new guys that you don't quite know um, like what they're like away from the ranker in that setting. And then it, you just always get surprised. Like some quiet guy walks in he's got the best like costume you'd ever expected. And um, I was, we were covering the Preds. You guys might've saw this one too is a few years ago with Nick Bonino. Um, I was broadcasting still, but they, they had a Halloween place. They had a venue, and him, him, and his wife dressed up as autograph seekers, and they waited outside the the building and tried to get uh, all the guys to sign. They had no idea it was them, and they got everyone got it all on video. It was like it was hilarious.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, were you a big costume guy, or were you like low profile? I
3: I, I think I like I I went back and forth years. Like I was like a last minute guy with those things i I loved it but i've just yeah i didn't put the effort definitely that some guys did but uh now i i I love seeing that guys get creative um tandem costumes and with their wives and and some of that stuff so i i appreciate i wish i wish i was more of a, a prepper for that
0: uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way. Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out when uh, when it comes to the time. Uh, that's uh, that's usually how it goes. Yep. Uh, so Preds coming off a win over uh, over the Leafs in in overtime, and it's uh, been a bit of an up and down start to the season. Uh, Canucks they played hosted the Canucks last week. Uh, how are you feeling about this uh, Pred start so far?
3: I, I'm I, I'm happy with it personally. From an outside view, I actually I think the worst game um, that they played was against the Canucks. I feel uh, Vancouver uh kind of beat them at their own game really pushed the pace controlled the possession and, and really stretched them out defensively and was on the attack most of the night i don't think the preds could get anything going um against the canucks uh, every other game even even the game they got blown out against edmonton they were you know they they owned the possession they owned they had better scoring chances edmonton capitalized a couple power play goals and you know you make a couple mistakes and you know to dry sidle and mcdavid it's in the back of the net um for the way that the Preds played, I, I thought they were. I thought they were decent. Had a chance to beat Tampa and Tampa, took Boston to the end. I, it's kind of where I expected them to be. Maybe a little bit ahead, to be honest, because they've had a really tough start in terms of the the level of competition and the and the, the high end teams they've played. Uh, new coach, new system, a lot of new players, young guys coming in. Uh, you know, leadership group trying to figure itself out, and that's always tough at the beginning of the season. Everyone's trying to find their spot in the room, but I would say they're ahead of where, you know, I expected it. I think they went one for 17 on the season to start the power play. And, you know, now the, the last five games, they're at 35%. And they moved all the way up to ninth in, in the league uh, penalty kill. Again, they had some tough power plays to, to defend against. And, uh, you know, the, the percentage isn't good, but it's good test. I think for this group to get acclimated. So kind of right where a little more, pleasantly surprised I think of how fast they're kind of picking up the way that uh coach Andrew Burnett wants these guys to play
1: yeah a big win on the weekend against the Maple Leafs as well a couple of power play goals there by Ryan O'Reilly uh, but one line that I've been really impressed by uh is the Tommy Novak Kiefer Sherwood and uh, Evangelista line they just have uh, energy they got skill uh, what do you make of this line that seems to be one of the more uh dangerous lines uh especially third lines in the league
3: I love these guys, you know it's a great story because they all played together in Milwaukee and they had success as a line down there, and then you know they all got called up at different times last season, and uh you know, beginning of the year, they had them together and wasn't quite going the way they wanted, so they tried to split them up a little bit, I think defensively, um you know, sometimes they were liability early in the season, but they Bruno put them back together. And they're, they're exciting. You know, Kiefer Sherwood, this is a guy who just works his butt off every single shift. He was a big-time scorer in the American League. He kind of, I think, tweaked his game. He's a little more, we call him a huntsman because he always gets on the forecheck. He's one of the guys that kind of gets the puck. But he's got the skill as well. Uh, Tommy Novak is a really fun player. Um, you know, if you spend any time watching him, he's, he's just always got his head up. He's not flashy, but he just he's able to buy time. It kind of reminds me. Uh, the way Patrick Kane, when he came in the league, I just was always amazed at how he could play the whole game with his head up. It just creates so much uh, time, and you know he's just got such good vision. And Luca Evangelista is a young, hungry kid. Uh, he can make plays, and, and these guys are just going for it. You know they're they're not they're not big guys per se, but they just have that chemistry. They're fun, exciting. They can make plays on the rush. Got a little bit of everything on that line. So. um you know, Bruno is, uh, Andrew Burnett's trying to get that second and third line is really where he wants to try to figure it out. And I think they've got that third line going now. They seem to, you know, beginning of the year, it's always tough. You have success last year. It's a different story. The NHL is a good league. Once you uh, do something in this league, other teams will start watching video and they'll kind of figure it out. So you have to make adjustments. I think they had a little bit of a tough time at the start, and now they're back together and they've obviously had some, you know, instruction and just kind of settled into the season a bit and they're kind of back to where they were at the end of last season.
0: What have you noticed about Ryan O'Reilly uh, now that you get to, well, I mean, uh, you played against him, so you know his game pretty well, but uh, what have you noticed to uh, get to see him up close and how he fits with this Preds team?
3: Well, first of all, he's, he's good at everything. He's got, you know, really just good hockey sense. He's got good offensive instincts. He goes out and he competes every single night no matter what the situation and I think that's exactly what Barry Trotz wanted when he signed him to that long-term deal is he wants him to be a mentor for these young players and you know just really add to this leadership group because you know Barry's trying to build something here And when you have character people like Ryan O'Reilly leading the way and you know this he's going to play his thousandth game against the Canucks tomorrow when you have somebody that's played a thousand games as hard as they can every single night and they come to the rink and he's the first guy on in pregame skate. And he's, you know, all those kind of things. He just loves the game and he plays the game, you know, the right way, the way people, um, you know, expect and appreciate watching, you know, he's going to block shots. He's going to do all the dirty things as well as, as, as try to contribute offensively. Um, I just really find that found that that's rubbed off on the entire team. And they brought a lot of guys like that in Gus Nyquist, uh, Luke Shanley is obviously not lineup, up, but a little more gritty character type of players. And I think it's brought the best out in this team. And if you're a young guy on this team and your leaders and a guy like Ryan O'Reilly has played a thousand games is going to um, play that way every single night. Well, you've got no excuse. And that's kind of what I've seen from the the team so far.
1: Well, one of the other players that we always keep an eye on when Nashville's in town is Roman Yossi he scores the OT winner against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night, but his role on the power play has been changed a little bit this year. Tyson Berry's up top. And Yossi's a little bit closer to the goal. Uh, This is a top 10 power play to start the year, but what does it tell you about a guy that has had so much success at that position on the power play that he's willing to say, hey, move me around if it benefits the team? Well, honestly, I I was, uh, you know, I could see him maybe pressing a little bit the last, he scored
3: last game. So I think, you know, that's the old monkey off the shoulders thing. But uh, that's a a great observation because at first I think he really struggled with it. I don't think he felt comfortable. I think he was a little bit stationary. He likes to, you know, he likes to move around, and he hasn't played a lot of that flank position. But now, last game, he was he was instrumental on the, you know, O'Reilly scored two goals, and he, you know, made a big-time impact, took the puck down low, starting to roam around a little bit and get comfortable making plays and jumping in. He went down low, took the defenseman to down into the corner, passed it back to O'Reilly on the goal line. He went in. The next goal, same thing. He's on the flank. He gets in. Puck goes back to O'Reilly. He, he's a he's a jump screen in the middle of the ice in front of uh, in front of the goaltender. So I, I think he's 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 just, he's had enough reps now where he's not thinking about it too much. He's just kind of reacting, and it's becoming a little bit second nature. But um, it's been tough because uh, the start of the year, he's getting all the shots. He's getting you know he's doing a lot of good things. It's not going for them, and uh, for him or wasn't. And I know when uh, you know players, it just it's not going. You know, sometimes you get frustrated, but uh, that, that goal is huge, and he's starting to get acclimated. I think, you know, Burnett wants him to, instead of skate the puck up the ice every single time, he wants him to move it and join the rush and try to play fast like that. I think you're seeing Quinn Hughes doing a really good job of that too because, you know, those two guys, if they want to take the puck and skate it all the way down the ice, they can, but it also gives the, uh, you know, the other team to get back into position a little quicker. So um, taking a bit of, of getting used to, but he's uh, he's coming around, and, and he hasn't said a word. He's complaining, and Andrew Burnett has said the same thing. He's like, I'm really impressed because, you know, for a star player just to say he'll do whatever it takes to help the team win and and go out there, and even when he gets frustrated, he just keeps doing it, and now it's starting to kind of fall in place.
0: What did you make of the Canucks when you saw them last week?
3: Oh, I thought they were good. I thought uh, that was probably, like I said, uh, that was the, the Predators didn't really... Compete with the Canucks, and I think they played exactly the way the Predators want to play, and they beat them at their own game. So the way that they move the puck, I think I think Quinn Hughes has went from a star to a superstar. The way that he controls the game, controls the puck. I think Rick Tockett's done a, a, just a fantastic job. Um, you know, he's getting the best out of JT Miller now, and uh you know obviously Pedersen's got an unbelievable shot but he's got you know he's got 11 assists he's starting to make plays these guys are buying into to what they have to do Besser's back you know he's starting to score goals and do all that type of thing so um he's got these guys uh believing in uh in what they're doing and it's impressive you know obviously Demko has been really good to Smith when he's played they've got the goaltending um that's going really well for them. So. You know, can they keep it up? I, I don't put too much stock. I'm not saying for the Canucks, for anybody in the first 10 games or the beginning of the season. But as of now, I mean, they're, you know, just blowing away any expectations that most people had at the beginning of the year for them. And um, it's a fun team to watch. And, you know, they're going to compete with a coach like Tockett. There's just, there's no other way. And finally Tockett, you know, gets to coach a team that's got a lot of offensive talent. So he's coaching a bit different than he uh, than he was in Arizona and uh he's got the horses and he's he's letting them go but they're they're also really good defensively you know they really pressure the puck in the defensive zone they get back possession when they don't have it and they've got the guys to make plays so um so far it's been really impressive to watch the Canucks
0: you know we we know Thatcher Demko is like one of the most talented goalies in the league and it seems uh now that the Canucks since Rick Tockett came in last year they're playing a little bit more of a predictive style or predictable style in front of their goaltender trying to eliminate the the cross-ice the seam pass as much as they can in the defensive zone how much can it help a goaltender when you know the team in front of them the system in front of them is is being executed and it can be a lot more predictable where the shots are going to come from where the threats are going to come from
3: it's life-changing for a goaltender you know that's every goaltender's dream is to play for a team that's predictable you know why give, give them the short side of the, you know a lot of teams and you have a good goaltender like hey i'm going to give you this shot i know you're going to take care of it nothing's going back door i'm taking the back you know the cross ice pass you just worry about this shot it may seem like a, a good scoring chance but when there's indecision in the play and you're like okay he's in a good shooting position but i know there's a threat back door we don't necessarily have great coverage it just there's just that split second of hesitation that affects obviously your play and the quickness and reacting and anticipating certain plays if the pass goes across obviously you can see it you have to react you have to get over when you're able to have a team in front of you that helps you predict and anticipate those plays a lot quicker it makes your job a million times easier and then obviously you build the confidence and even if guys have breakdowns you're just full of confidence and the game seems to slow down because the majority of the time they're letting you see the puck they're you know, they're clearing guys out front. It's not a scramble situation every time you get in the zone. And there's just so much more calmness in your game. And I'm kind of seeing that in Demko. And I think he's healthy, too. So I, I don't know if he was completely healthy to start last year. And obviously, when, once things start snowballing, it's uh, it's tough to get it back. But I think they're pretty dialed in with uh, the way that they're playing right now. And that's helping Demko big time.
1: Before we let you go here, Chris, uh, over the weekend, we saw Jumbo Joe Thornton call it a career officially. Going back in time here... Playing against prime Joe Thornton, you did it. What was that experience like when he was on his game? He's just a big.
3: He's just a big human. He had, he had skill. You know, he, he, he was part of that. Uh, you know, the NHL is a lot bigger than, him, but he was one of those guys that you know could play any aspect of the game. He was a character. Um, I think you know, there's not. A, you're not going to like every player on every team, but I think most people, you know, especially as he got older, you just you just had this like polarizing. I don't know, aura about him. You're just like, I-, I like that guy, you know, but he was, he had everything. He was, he could, he could score, he could make plays, he'd fight. He'd, you know, he was just a leader and a guy that just, I don't know, you kind of like cheered for. I don't know when I was out of the game, you just cheer for a guy like that because, you know, you hear through the great prime what a great teammate he is and how he took care of guys off the ice. And, um, you know, I think as a player, when you, it's all said and done, you just want to be, you know, a lot of guys don't care how they're remembered. Some do. But, um, you know, when you think about a guy like Joe Thornton, he's going to be remembered as a, you know, a great teammate and also a really good ambassador for the game. Um, so he, he's had an unbelievable career. And, I, this you know, he just loves the game. He loves being around the boys. He loves playing hockey. And, uh, you know, he was damn good at it too. So uh, wish him all the best, that's for sure. That was a, that was a legendary career. And just a guy that uh, you know, you just you cheer for and, and hope good things happen. So he did. Uh, he had a great career, no question.
0: Chris, uh, really appreciate your time and your insights. Thanks for this. Okay, thank you, guys. Uh, there is Chris Mason, uh, analyst with the Nashville Predators, joining us here on Canucks Central. And yeah, uh, Jumbo Joe, you, you kind of wondered, um, like, given everything with Joe, like when he made the announcement, so yep. like they going to be a full reveal here. Like he's he's got he's got no tarp on for the the retirement uh, that was like so a- Joe Thornton, man. It was so Joe Thornton. It was so weird, but also so very Joe Thornton.
1: Yeah, the only thing missing was like Brent Burns and him walking around <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Remember the tarps off that one time? Tarps photo. off. Uh that was great, but like also, I remember whether it was covering this team or around that era, you know, 2010-2011. Yeah. There there were some scary teams in the NHL. But When the Canucks would play the Sharks, You know, you knew that Joe Thornton was going to pick up his points. They were a scary team to play in their prime, and he was the main reason. Guy was just so big, so skilled, and we look back at that era. Who are the best two playmakers of that era? Joe Thornton, Henrik Sedin. Look at the stats. They tell you that. Um, Special talent, but so classic Joe Thornton as well. Just goes, you know, portrait style, sends out a video, tarps off, calls it a career.
0: Uh, Joe Thornton, seventy six points in seventy seven games against uh, the Vancouver Canucks, nineteen goals. So actually, uh, you know, not bad. Canucks held him to just under a point a game.
1: I think a part of that was also later career jumbo Joe because I felt like the the middle part of that career he was eating against the Canucks. <laughs> he was
0: eating. I mean, he was eating against everybody. Guy won a Hart Trophy, won some Art Ross trophies. Uh, you know, he was, you know, like um. So, uh, I'm lucky enough to get to play in the Canucks Pro Am. That's right, yeah. uh, Next weekend. And by the way, the silent auction's still going on, and uh, you can check it out canproam.ca. Tons of great items up for bid, and it goes to a great cause. All proceeds going to the Canucks Autism Network. So, if you can and you're willing, check out canproam.ca. Some great items up for bid in the auction. It ends tonight. But, you know, what amazes me every time I play with some of those guys doesn't matter how old they are. The game always moves in slow motion around them. Yeah. You know, like you can just tell. And at any time, even if you're in beer league and you play with somebody that's like clearly like three divisions up from where they should be. And the game just moves in slow motion around them. The NHL moved in slow motion around Joe Joe Thornton. You know, And, and there's a select few players that can have that sort of an effect on the game. You know, Mario Lemieux come to mind. Joe Thornton comes to mind. At times you can see it with with Quinn Hughes where he slows down the game around him and he just kind of controls the pace of a game, if you want to borrow a soccer term. It's an incredible ability, and Joe Thornton had it through most of his career.
1: Yeah, it's just the way, you know, that you can kind of pull players apart and just kind of even – you don't even have to do it. Sometimes your eyes can do that where – where you're looking is they're so scared of what's going to happen that they back off, off of a look. You just
0: freeze the defender. And exactly.
1: Like, and with Joe Thornton, the playmaking, we all understand, but also that big frame helped him protect the puck so well. Yeah. Where even as he got older, the skills diminished a little bit. The speed definitely did. He was never the fastest guy to begin with, but you could still just have that puck protection and buy you the extra, extra second where, you know, I look back at his trade which is even more mind-boggling now like you're never gonna see that again you're not gonna see that mid-season
0: trade like that no way and shouts to
1: marco Sturm, but like (laughs) there was no way no way the boston bruins were ever gonna get fair value for that
0: it's funny he was a point a game with the bruins that year 24 uh had uh actually no he was 33 points in 23 games and they trade Man, that's him. That's a bold move. <laughs> and <then> they <laughs> trade him to San Jose, and he goes off for 92 points in the next 58. Uh, he had 92 assists one year with the Sharks as well. Um, unbelievable player and a lot of fun. The personality and wasn't afraid to show his personality, which is something we ask more out of uh, from hockey
1: players. Yeah, there's famous quotes and all that. We we'll won't get into that. But overall, like I remember four goals. We've heard from Yannick Hansen when he got traded to San Jose. Obviously, Yannick. It was a tough time for him. You, you get moved first time in your career. He's talked openly about how it's just weird when you have a family as well. Uh, but I go back to the story of him just talking with that leadership group. Jumbo Joe was it, man. Yeah. Evander Kane getting picked up at the airport by Jumbo Joe. Like, there's a lot of things that are off the ice that really tell you about the guy as well, where he's just a pretty chill dude. That's rare, man. When I know hockey's generally a, a very good guy sport. But when you're that good and you're that good of a guy, we see it with the Sedins here locally. It's cool to see in the hockey world.
0: A few guys that uh, overcome the never-won-a-cup sort of uh, stigma, if you want to call it that. I feel like Joe Thornton did uh, because everybody just understands he's been one of the best playmakers in this past generation of hockey players. Uh, This text, question coming in. Better talent, Jumbo Joe or Brent Burns with his versatility to play the wing or defense? Ooh,
1: I'm going to lean Jumbo. I think when Jumbo was on the – like. Prime Jumbo was close to unstoppable.
0: Yeah. Uh, like Jumbo and, uh, and Henrik, like two of the best passers of the puck that the game has seen in the last, I don't know how many years. But uh, that's kind of the list, at least two of them. Dan Riccio and Randy Janda in for uh, Satyar Shah, who's still mourning that uh, Browns loss yesterday at Lumen Field not it's not getting old for me
1: do you think it's worse because bick was right next to him and like rubbing it in <laughs> probably
0: probably i think we might have to do one of those trips next time the uh, dolphins come to Lumen field you know
1: the next time that they'll probably play and it'll be primetime, it'll be the super bowl so i look forward to making that trip <laughs> absolutely i'm ready
0: let's go uh, maybe we'll get into this coming up uh it is canock central